prayer are concerned primarily with God's glory, his kingdom, and his will. Now, beginning in the fourth petition, we begin to pray for ourselves and our own needs. Now, isn't it interesting in this, and I think it's very comforting, that uh, God is not only concerned with our spiritual well-being, but he's also concerned for our temporal and material needs. We sang Psalm 104 just a little while ago, and uh, Psalm 105 also uh, echoes that. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. You know, even the lower beasts of the earth know enough to look to God for their food. He is a kind and loving creator, and so he sustains all his creation as, as he provides them uh, for them. But isn't it strange that we who are made in his image uh, resist depending upon him? Well, of course, God made us to be both body and soul. And so we would expect him to be the provider of all our needs, both body and soul. God wants us to be holy and he wants us to be happy. And so as we saw in the Sermon on the Mount, he, 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 tells, us to pray, or he tells us to pray that uh, uh, give us this day our daily bread. But then in verse 31 and following, he says, don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink. Those are things that you have need of. Certainly that's what the Gentiles, the unbelieving uh, world, will, will seek after. But you, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And as you seek his kingdom, as you spend your time exerting your energy on seeking the, the, the kingdom of God, he will provide for you. Jesus is showing us in, in all these words that our father in heaven is as a loving God. He created us that we might have fellowship with him. And, and because he made us and he created us and, and he breathed into us uh, our, uh, his own image and likeness, <clears throat> he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows exactly what you need. But again, these petitions are, are, are pointing out that our physical satisfaction, while it is important, is not as important as our spiritual condition. Jesus is calling us in, in verse 11 and in verses uh, 31 through 34 to set our priorities right, seeking his kingdom, seeking his righteousness above everything else, including your own bodily needs. And you'll also see this by the fact that when Jesus was tempted, remember, he, he, after his baptism, he was driven out by the Spirit to go into the wilderness for those 40 days where he fasted. And then after those 40 days were done, Satan came to tempt him. And the first temptation is, uh, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. You're hungry, now you can eat. And remember how Jesus answered that? Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of God's mouth. Again, showing us the priorities. You seek first God's kingdom. You seek God's glory. You seek his will above your own. Don't worry about yourself. God will take care of you. And, and so, 
these verses tonight really are kind of like a, an antidote to worry and anxiety. But how did worry and anxiety come into the world? Well, Genesis chapter 3 tells us how, how it came in, right? It not only tells us, Genesis 3 not only shows us how sin came into the world, but it also reveals what is the essence of sin. And so you'll recall that the serpent came in and he tempted Eve, saying that you will become like God to know good and evil. And see, what was Satan doing? He was seducing them with the lie that you don't need God. You could be self-sufficient. You could have it all by yourself. You don't need an outside force. You can depend upon yourself. Adam and Eve's rebellion grew out of the prideful notion of self-sufficiency, a delusion of personal ability without God. And that particular uh, arrogant assumption controls the heart of fallen, sinful man to this very day. And so you see, when, we're, when we pray this fourth petition, we are actually reversing that sinful attitude. We are, we are, depend, we are saying, no, I, I need you, O oh God. I'm not dependent upon myself. I cannot be my own God. I depend upon you even for my daily bread. And, and again, isn't it wonderful that God gives us bread, not just for his elect people, not just for those who love him, but he even is gracious enough to give the daily provisions for even the unbelievers. Just a few verses be, before this, in chapter 5, verse 45, Jesus said that, that God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And even though this wasn't his direct point in those, uh, that statement, it still reminds us that everything is truly dependent upon God. He is the one who brings both sunshine and rain, the things that, that produce food. Now, I know sinful men don't recognize any of this, and they become very ungrateful in their hearts, even though they benefit from God's generosity. But when grace fills the heart, we begin to recognize what is already true about God's good care over us. And so here, when Jesus speaks of daily bread, of course, we can understand that bread here is what? It's, it's a metonymy for uh, basic necessities. You know, bread is, is a basic staple of many diets. It stands really as a symbol of God's provision for his people. Uh, for instance, even in our own culture, we, we still call wage earners breadwinners, right? Uh, at one time, people used to talk of money. I don't know if they still do this, but I know at one time, uh, people used to call money uh, both dough and bread, right? Uh, uh, slang terms. Uh, criminals were one time just given the basic elements of uh, bread and water. Well, bread is the, the basic essential necessity of life. But, but it means all the provisions. When, when Jesus says, pray for your daily bread, of course he's mean. Not just, you don't have to, just have to pray for your daily food, 
but it's also your clothing and your shelters and everything else you have need of, of course. Well, anyway, uh, <clears throat> when, when, we, when it comes to, to eating, we also have a responsibility, don't we? 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, If anyone is not willing to work, neither shall he eat. Um, but here's the thing. Even though we work to earn a living, we still always must remember that he is the Lord and giver of life. Even in work, we are dependent on him as the provider. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, Verses 6 and 7, Jesus reminds us that, that uh, now he's talking about a spiritual thing here, but we can apply it still to the, to the material world, that men sow seed. Some will water that seed, but it's God who gives the increase. We do the work, we put in the effort, yes, that's our responsibility, that's what we are called to do. If you don't work, you don't eat. Right? So we work. But God is the one who gives the increase. God is the one who blesses. And so even in our work, we're, we're showing our dependency on God. This is not a passe or ludicrous idea. The, the, the problem of the, the sinful human heart is that it thinks that it can achieve for itself, that it can be self-sufficient. And so we rely upon ourselves for our health and our energy and our technology and our science but self-sufficiency, again, is really, as I mentioned earlier, a delusion of pride. Now, men will, will trust in their technology and their scientific or their medical breakthroughs. But, but isn't it the case that despite all the technology and all the breakthroughs, none of that has stopped anyone from dying from the flu or cancer or a host of other diseases? For all his abilities, man hasn't been able to uh, cause the rain to fall in a drought area, nor have they been able to stop hail or hurricanes or tornadoes from destroying crops, stopping plagues and famines from occurring. Technology and science hasn't developed anything to change the human heart at all. Men are still warlike. Our deficiencies and our insufficiencies should then cause us all the more to bow to God alone. Yet still man resists God's sovereignty because it wants its own sovereignty. And so again, Jesus is teaching us to pray to the one who controls all things. Give us this day our daily bread. To pray this petition is to confess that we are not God. In fact, we are in desperate need of him and his kindness and of his grace, even on a minute-to-minute -minute level. To pray this petition, to bow the knee and to say, uh, give us this day our daily bread is to acknowledge what uh, James writes to us in his epistle. Every good gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights. And, and, and so this covers whatever we need, whether it be clothing or or food or shelter or wisdom or, or peace or health, rain, sunshine, air, whatever it is, it all comes from God. 
ultimately. And so each one of us should be very grateful for our station in life, recognizing that it's God behind all the blessings that you have. And that's what this petition is driving us to see. It's driving us to humility so that we may see that we're not God, that we need him. You'll you'll notice that Jesus teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread and not sell us this day our daily bread. Uh, God is not a merchant. You know, he's not a baker that you go and you buy your bread from. No, Um, we we plow the field. We, We work hard at our jobs. But again, we need to see that the provisions are given to us as a gift. And again, and again, this is a very subtle reminder of just how gracious God is. Why do I say that? Because... Sin has certainly made us rebellious, undeserving people, right? Every breath we take, every morsel we eat, every sip we drink, every stitch of clothing we wear, everything that shelters us, everything we have is a gracious gift from a holy but offended God. And this petition is again reminding us of just how gracious God is. That though we have offended him, he still gives to us. He opens his hands and satisfies us even with good things. And even unbelievers get those blessings. This this petition again is reminding us of God's graciousness. The blessings that we have come to us as a gift. Shouldn't we be thankful to offer God thanks? Again, not only acknowledges our poverty and our need, but acknowledges that he is himself the donor of all good things. When when you give thanks before a meal, you are in effect praying according to this petition of the Lord's Prayer. I know that perhaps some people are embarrassed to give Thanks in public, like if you're in a restaurant and you bow your head and return thanks for the food that you're about to eat. But let me say something. This is a great testimony to those who give no thought at all that their lives are but gifts from God. It's a testimony. When, when someone sees you praying and giving thanks for food, it reminds them, yeah, yeah, God is really the giver. All of us are living on the grace of God. And whether men recognize it or not, we are receiving from God's graciousness. And it is the special place of Christians to testify before an unbelieving world that God is above all and that he is the giver of all things. Romans chapter 1, verse 21, says that uh, an offering of thanks is, is what marks the believer from the unbeliever. Even though they knew God, Paul said, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. 
They became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Mankind, again, was created to honor God and to manifest his glory. But sin has created an antagonism against God. Mankind fails to submit to God even by thanking him. They purposely suppress any knowledge of him. And so the rain falls and they get annoyed by it. Or they take it for granted. We take sunshine for granted. No, we take the air for granted. But what if God said, no more sun, no more rain, no more air? Where would you be? Romans 1.28 goes on to say they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. Paul is pointing out that not only did they deliberately ignore him and become unthankful for his gifts, they abused his mercies. God gives them so much. And they use his gifts. But to what end? To serve themselves, to serve the devil. He, he gives them air to breathe. He gives them food for strength. And they use all these things to sin against him. And uh, secular psychologists and, and sociologists have for some time been warning us that we're living in, in an age what they call the age of entitlement. It springs from an epidemic of narcissism where people are now demanding that they get things. Why? Because they feel they deserve them. But the petition here is reminding us, you don't deserve anything except condemnation. We're not worthy of the least of God's blessings. And so, beloved... Even though it, it's, it, you know, even though it's not, it doesn't come right out and, 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 and hit us, say, give thanks to God, this, this petition, give us this day our daily bread, should cause us to consider who God is, the blessings that he gives, and then it should cause us to be a, a people of gratitude and thanks. No, in Matthew chapter 15, there's a story of a Gentile woman who sought the Lord's help because her daughter was demon-possessed. And, and she was a Syrophoenician. She was a Gentile. She wasn't a Jew. She was outside of the covenant. And so she came to the Lord nonetheless, begging for uh, mercies for her daughter. And the Lord tested her face, saying that he had come only to the lost sheep of Israel. But she responded, well, Lord, help me. <laughs> help me. And he responded to her, it's not good to take the, the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And then she said, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall at the master's table. And the Lord looked at that and he admired the faith in this woman. And he granted her request, said, woman, your faith is great. Now, do you think that the, that that gift of her daughter's restoration being set free from this demon, do you think that she went on and just ignored and, and it was, well, my, my daughter actually deserved that. No, she, from the very beginning, she says, I know I don't deserve it. You can call me a dog. That's fine. Huh? I'm okay with being called a dog. But, but give me the scraps. Give me the crumbs. And she received what she wanted. Do you not think that her heart swelled up in great thanksgiving? 
And Luke gives that account, or Matthew gives that account, to show that even the Gentiles have better sense. Even unbelievers in the pagan world sometimes has better sense than, than his people do. Again, none of us deserve crumbs. And yet God is willing to give us the whole loaf. This petition is, is calling for you to be a people of thanks. Thanking God for everything you receive. Don't wake up in the morning and eat your breakfast to kiss your family goodbye as you go to work and then get in the car, drive to the office, and, and work hard to bring home the break-in without considering God. God gives to you the ability to work he opens the door for you to do this work. He grants you the health to do the work. He gives you the strength to labor. He blesses the company, giving it success so that it can employ you. Pride and ignorance say, all that I have comes from my own hand. I deserve it. But Jesus, again, is reminding us that it is a gift from God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to harp on this because... I, I want us to really understand and get this. Everything we have, we know is a gift from God. Why not give thanks for it? To be thankful for one mercy is the way to get more. God loves to bestow his mercies where his praise echoes the loudest. I don't know who said that. It was in my notes, so I put it down. <laughs> but I like it. God bestows his mercy where his praise echoes the loudest. The more we learn to give him thanks and praise, the more we will learn to trust him. The more we will trust him, the more he will entrust to or give us more, right? Matthew 25 gave another parable where a master gave to each of his servants a sum of money. And when he returned... Two of the servants had doubled their money and gave that doubled money to him, while the third servant buried the money and, and gave him the, the sum, the exact amount that the master had earlier given him. And he hid it because he was afraid. You don't need to be afraid. The master took from that one servant and gave it to another servant. And then he said to who? Uh, to everyone who has, more shall be given, to, and he will have an abundance. But the one who does not have, even what he has, shall be taken from him. And again, the point that is being made is that when you have been given such great gifts from God, be thankful for them. Gratitude, gratitude will make you a more trusting, uh, will make you to trust in God that much more. And the more you trust in him, the more he will give to you. Um, anyway, I'm just going to move on almost to an end. He calls us to pray for our daily bread. Not luxuries, but for daily bread. When God rained down manna upon the Israelites... They were instructed to collect enough for that day and no more, except to prepare for the Sabbath day. And God wanted to teach them in this, that they should look to him for their daily needs and to be content with those daily needs. 
not to store up a great superabundance. We learn that we are to pray according to our need and not to our greed. People talk all the time about keeping up with the Joneses. But the reality is they don't want to keep up with the Joneses. They want to surpass the, jo uh, the Joneses. Hebrews 13, verse 5, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's always going to be with you. So you don't have to be covetous. You don't have to store up. You be thankful for what you have. We take this petition with the first three petitions, and we learn how that we will pray that God will meet our temporal needs. And those temporal needs are met so that we can live for spiritual ends. We pray for earthly needs, beloved, with a heavenly aim. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? All these things the Gentiles seek after. Your heavenly Father knows that you need these things, but you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then these things will be added to you. When you are seeking God's kingdom, you don't have to worry about daily or earthly necessities, right? You don't have to worry about uh, trying to keep up with the Joneses. God is with you, and he will supply your needs for you. If you're seeking his kingdom, then when you receive earthly necessities, you'll want to use those things for his kingdom and not merely for your own lust or for your own desires. This petition, the fourth petition, teaches us, Lord, feed me. Lord, clothe me. Lord, shelter me. So that I may glorify your name. So that I may seek your kingdom. So that I may do your will on earth as it is in heaven. You see, we're seeking God's kingdom first and foremost. That's what the first three petitions were, were calling us to and working in our lives. So that now, having ourselves centered in heaven, with our aim fixed on heaven and the kingdom, now we use everything we have, every penny, every cent goes to him for his kingdoms. That's a wonderful thing. Romans chapter 12 also says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Why is it your reasonable service? Because the mercies of God has saved you from sin. You're not going to hell. He's your father. He loves you. And he is going to provide for you so that you can become servants. This is the attitude that enables us to maintain spiritual attitudes concerning the needs of the body. If God blesses you, wonderful. Paul says to Timothy, uh, if God has blessed you with an abundance, those who are rich, don't be haughty. Don't trust, don't trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Let them do good, that they might be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. And if God blesses you only with a few necessities, praise him for that. 
Paul says, I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. <laughs> to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when you're praying this petition, you can say that same thing. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at Job in the Sunday school class. I, I, this is a tremendous book. Job had everything. Job was the wealthiest man in the area. Just a tremendously wealthy man. And in one day, he lost everything. He lost all his cattle, all his sheep, all his camels, all his donkeys. And then he lost all his children. And then he even lost his own health. But he refused to curse God. And he said, if God gives us the blessings, should we not also trust him that he takes it away? How many of us can do that? Well, we can, if we're praying, give us this day your daily bread, our daily bread. Well, I'm going to close with this because we need to end. But <clears throat> when we look at this, we're, we're, we call Jesus our Lord. We call God our Lord. I don't know if you know the etymology of the word Lord, but it comes from two old English contractions. Loaf, which means bread, and weird, which means guardian. Lord, then, is the bread guardian. Think of Joseph under Pharaoh. One of the most, he was the most powerful man in Egypt under the Pharaoh. And his job was to do what? To ensure that the fields were protected from marauders, to harvest the wheat, and to guard the precious grain so that there will be plenty in the time of famine. He was the bread guardian. He was given wisdom and power to give grain or to withhold grain from whomever he wished. His job was to assure that his people had food. My friends, our Father in heaven is the true bread guardian. Let us not take his grace for granted. Be thankful that he is as wise as he is gracious. He knows better than we how uh, to give us according to our true needs. We have two kinds of needs. Physical and spiritual. Both, of course, are very important. God cares about our spiritual needs, so he gives us his son to be our savior. But he gives us, according to our physical needs, our food, our drink, our, our, our raiment, our, our housing, so that these material needs would serve the spiritual needs. Physical needs are temporary. Spiritual needs are eternal. Don't lose sight of the spiritual and eternal needs. That's what Jesus is calling us to. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Use everything that he gives you for his glory. That your souls may be nurtured, even as your bodies are fed. Let's pray. 
Lord, we thank you for 